Welcome to Recently Logged, where this week we talk about a bunch of Oscars movies, two days too late. Hello. Hi. Here we are. We're back. I'm Robbie. A dinosaur tail. <laughs> I'm I'm a dinosaur tail. No, I'm, I'm Mike. <laughs> I just said we're back, though. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a dinosaur. It is a dinosaur story. A I just story. always say a dinosaur tail because that sounds the natural. Pun. There's a pun in it's there. It's a little play on It word. makes sense. But it's we're back. A dinosaur story. Which that, is lame. That movie is whacked out, dude. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hey, here we are. We're talking about uh, the movies. Yeah, we're doing we're doing a What We Watched episode. Uh, which, for those unfamiliar, is when we take an episode. Well, like, usually it's just a segment. But this time we're taking a whole episode and we're talking about all of the movies that we watched since our last episode that we, like, covered a movie on because last week we did our uh, oscars picks and predictions special and it was so gosh darn long that we did not include a what we watched segment so we'll be covering two weeks uh time this time worth of movies which two weeks time (laughs) fortunately like neither of us really watched all that much because we were both kind of busy yeah Um, very busy week (laughs) so it won't be like an overly long episode or anything but you know still a substantial amount of movies hey man sometimes we've done these things when we've had like three weeks to cover that is true uh but yeah we're gonna go ahead and and get right into it Mm -hmm. so we are going from the 28th uh, which of is when, February. Of February, which is when we put out our last of No, it's not going to be 28th of March, Revy. We haven't hit the 28th of March. <laughs> well, I'm, just, I'm just letting people know for future reference. And we said weeks, so it's not going to be the 28th of January. I'm just saying people listening to this like a year down the line aren't going to have any clue where we are in the timeline. They, like, they don't need to. <laughs> February 28th, yeah, yeah. 2023. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I watched... The the hit classic, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> hit classic, <laughs> of course, Reservoir Dogs for the first time. Whoa! On the twenty eighth, Reservoir Dogs. Right after we recorded the podcast, actually, if you can even believe it. Um, so while Robbie was while Robbie was editing the Megan episode, mm. I went upstairs and turned on Reservoir Dogs, Just picking out some EDM music for the Megan episode. <laughs> Um, and it's it's an interesting movie. It's uh, I don't I don't know what to say about it. That's like the <laughs> let's see, that's like the fourth or fifth uh, Tarantino movie I've seen. Well, there you go. And it's his first one. And oh, that was his debut. And this was his fe- first feature film. Interesting. Okay. Um, and it's very it's very odd. Like it's good. <laughs> like you could tell it's low budget. You could tell with what he's working with. Um, it still has that kind of like weird Tarantino vibe that I'm not the biggest fan of, but at the same time, the screenplay is actually really fun, and so is the cast. Like it's it's having like you know T- Tim Roth and uh, Harvey Cattell, I guess I don't know how to say his last name, and Steve Buscemi as your like main three guys. It's a, it's a very stacked cast. I was say, it's a pretty good main cast. <laughs> I was like, dang, this this kind of rocks. And you know, you you've got a lot of like 
I hate making the comparison to something like 12 Angry Men, but that <laughs> is actually what I think of when I think about this movie. It's funny. Because 90% of the movie is just guys sweaty, yelling at each other in a room. Good. Um, while Tim Roth bleeds out, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty fun. And I really like the way the story weaves. I like the final reveal. I like the the conclusion. There's just like bits here and there that I that I don't like. I don't like a lot of the more icky dialogue like in the opening. It's just not really it's not really my jam. That's fair. Uh but it's a very very fun, very inventive, really really cool low budget first film. Well, there you go. And and, and you know, it's been it's become like a very much a classic. Yeah, I was about to say I mean it's it's Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> Which is why it surprised me a little bit that it was his first you feature. I'm surprised you didn't know that. I'm though. I'm not super well versed in Tarantino's like filmography, like when stuff came out. Yeah, that's just like I don't know. I thought everybody knew that. I didn't know. I was about to say he did Reservoir Dogs and then Pulp Fiction. Wow, that's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> I give it a four and a half out of five. Very nice. I genuinely, I genuinely think it's really great. It's just like, you know, it's a Tarantino movie. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but on the night of the 28th, I watched uh, Endless, which is a film that Frank Ocean put together. Uh, it is technically feature length it's only 46 minutes long um but it's a it's an ambient visual album i guess i don't know i don't know the best way to describe it um but it reminded me a lot of saul bass's film phase four (laughs) in the way it's shot and edited and everything it's very strange um but you know what it's a pretty good album if you're if you're looking for a Frank Ocean album and you haven't listened to Endless yet or watched Endless I suppose, uh, go give it a try because it's it's very very good. I gave it a um, four out of five. Uh, also on the night of the twenty eighth, uh, while I was sickly, and uh, you know just hanging out, I decided to turn on Antiviral. Uh, a Brendan Cronenberg movie. In fact, Brendan Cronenberg's first movie. So I was just watching a lot of, uh, or Brandon. I, I was about to say, who's Brendan Cronenberg? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I, I didn't even look at the name for some reason. I just had Brendan. But I was Brandon. like, what? Wow. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything until I could read it. And I was like, wait a minute. Anyway, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Cronen- Cronenberg. Which Brendan Cronenberg sounds better. Wow. They made a the Cronenbergs made a mistake. <laughs> there was a mistake. <laughs> anyway, Brandon Cronenberg's Antiviral, his very first movie, uh, which is a very odd movie. It really it, it really goes for it, you know. Um, I hate I would hate to see how Brandon grew up in, in the Cronenberg household. The Cronenberg household. <laughs> that what what led him to this? I wonder. It's Taco Night at the Cronenberg household. <laughs> um, it's a very it's a very cool concept. The world is really neat that he comes up with. Um, there's a lot of really cool executions of stuff. I was kind of surprised because of how low budget it feels in a lot of areas that they actually had some cooler effects. Um, it still feels the low budgetness throughout a lot of it. I don't particularly love the way it's shot or lit mm-hmm. or any of like the sets. That's a shame. They're just fine. There's a lot of potential They're... there for like some great set design like and lighting and everything they're not they're not even like bad they're just fine uh (laughs) 
Caleb Landry Jones is actually really, really fun as a lead. I had not, um, <laughs> I didn't expect that because he looked kind of goofy. <laughs> and, you know, he's weird and everything I've seen him in. Um, but he was really actually great as the lead in this. Cool. And I, and I just love what it was going for. I think it's a little overly long. I think it's, uh, it's satire, or I guess not satire. Um, commentary commentary would be a better thing allegory allegory metaphor whatever (laughs) the word would be there the proper word you could say metaphor you could say some of it's even satire um but just like what they were going for thematically with a lot of like the society stuff they were going for (laughs) does not really fully work because of how like to the level of absurdity it's taken to so it doesn't really connect to much in like actual today society (laughs) like you don't watch this and you're like a few more years we could run into this (laughs) not very likely (laughs) it's not like watching blade runner where you're like "Ooh, (laughs) oh no yeah exactly but uh, but yeah it's still a fun neat movie and it was cool to check out it wasn't my favorite but it was cool i'm looking forward to it i gave it a three out of five yeah no i can't wait to see it it's more just neat that it went for it you know (laughs) i suppose so uh what did you watch next micah uh on the second oh i didn't realize you didn't watch something till the third no i I was kind of slacking off on the second i had a a a day to myself i don't even think anybody else was home or something uh and i was like you know what i'm gonna watch that very very long damien chazelle movie before the oscar It's very nice. Uh, so I decided to turn on Babylon. The Damien Chazelle movie. Paramount Plus. <laughs> it's a shame to not see Babylon in a theater, I think. Hey, at least I had, like, surround sound headphones. That is true. Yeah. Seeing it with headphones would make a big difference. I was going to say very nice headphones, which were, which were good for it. Nice. Um, interesting movie. <laughs> very very odd movie very you, divisive you, you movie, loved Micah. this movie like, i gave it i a, adored it, it five out of five which is which is crazy <laughs> to me uh very odd movie i don't even know what to say about it it's trying to do a lot of things it's a very ambitious um, movie mike <laughs> i mean this thing is i'm not joking when this is this is like three hours and 20 minutes or something mm-hmm. it is a long movie long movie uh, if there ever was one <laughs> and it's trying to do a lot of very ambitious things in that runtime and its theming and tone is just so odd to me uh, it doesn't always work very well there's some very like dark and disturbing things in it it's a very disturbing while also movie being a very like kind of what's i don't know what what would be the right word for that irreverent comedy i guess (laughs) i guess like it's 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 kind of works for it comedic senses are very odd um so like there's humor throughout all of it but it's this very like again (laughs) in a way juliet was kind of right it's like family guy humor almost i don't know man (laughs) i don't know i don't see it totally i can see it maybe i've just watched too much family guy (laughs) where i'm like no it's not quite right to be family guy humor and that the gatekeeping family guy humor is the saddest thing there is i think so i'll Um, let you have your opinion about the comedy in this film i think i think the direction is just kind of misguided i love damien chazelle but like it just it just never clicks for what he's doing like the direction he's taking the film never feels quite right for what it's going for i think it it, and i think that goes to show like a lot of like the the movie doesn't really feel i think like it should um especially being like 
this movie is supposed to be set in like the 20s and 30s <laughs> and it never once feels anywhere near the 20s no, and 30s like just from the way it's shot and the way it's directed it's just it's just such an odd vibe from the movie but it still is very very impressive it's very well shot um i loved the performances from margot robbie yes. and uh diego diego Calvo. Calvo, yes um they, they were so they were good. the best parts of the movie by far <laughs> Uh, was not actually a big fan of Brad Pitt's performance in this. I didn't. I didn't like, I didn't like it in Babylon. Uh, I don't know. But I just. I don't know. I appreciate a lot of what this movie is doing because it is a good movie and it's accomplishing a lot of really cool, unique things. I just don't know if it really all come, came together at all for me when there's a lot going on for a long time, and I just felt like by the end it was kind of either cheesy or like didn't really fully work for me with the conclusion that you didn't, you didn't like for. the romance, Micah. Is that what you're saying? No, it's cheesy. No, I didn't. Oh. The romance was fine. I, I, really I mean, the romance was very early set up. I know. I'm just saying, like, the way the movie actually ends, like how the the ending for all of the characters. I loved I the third act. Goofy. The I third act it. is my least favorite part of the movie. <laughs> um, but I gave it a three and a half out of five. Still a crazy impressive movie. I wrote a lot about it on Letterboxd. If you want to check out my review. Um, Wait, I mean, you just talked about it for, I don't know, like two minutes or something. Yeah, but I go into a bit more detail <laughs> yeah, about yeah. stuff on my keep it, Letterboxd keep it review. More vague on the podcast. <laughs> gotta, gotta entice them to the Letterboxd. Well, I thought you might, you know, talk in. It's a movie you've actually well, seen. I mean, yeah, it is a movie I've seen, but I mean, I've only seen it once. And well, so have I. <laughs> it was a little while ago now, so I, I feel like I can't really mount a full-on defense for Babylon. Um, <laughs> all I can really say about it is that I did enjoy it a lot back when I first saw it and I was very impressed by how technically great it is. It's it's an insanely <laughs> well shot movie. Um an insanely well lit movie too. Um visually I think it's a masterwork honestly. But what Damien Giselle film isn't a visual like it was still really funny. Buffet, you know? It was still really funny at the Oscars, though, when it was nominated for Best uh, Production Design. Mm -hmm. And then they couldn't show half the sets in oh the little gosh. Oscar clips. It's quite funny. <laughs> but yeah, no, Babylon, I, I do think it has its flaws. Again, I think the direction is probably Damien Chazelle's weakest. And I think it's his weakest screenplay, too. Yeah, I, I might tend to agree, but I, it just works for me on a bunch of levels. And I... I went away i walked away from the movie being like wow that that was pretty cool <laughs> i don't know well there you go again i gave it a three and a half out of five um next on the second i watched juno juno a much more pleasant film than Babylon. i was about to say you're gonna get some like tonal whiplash going from babylon to juno trust me i did but it was nice because babylon is a little suffocating <laughs> <laughs> that yeah it is. and juno is a very 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 like low-key movie even I, for this kind of genre yeah i was really surprised at how low-key juno was back when i watched it i was um, like dang this, yeah. this is so much fun it's my first time watching juno and it was neat and it was fun and it was relaxing and it's not trying to do too much and what it's doing is very neat and elliot page's performance was cool yes uh and michael Sarah is fun <laughs> And Jason Bateman is creepy. And, like, I don't know. I, I think, especially with the subject matter, it deals with it in a pretty interesting way. Uh, I know uh, the writer 
was kind of upset and so it was the director with what people kind of used the film for mm. um like what statement they thought they were trying oh. to make about the film <laughs> when that was not the statement they were trying to make yeah about the film. i could see someone misconstruing juno very easily yeah unfortunately so, i don't know you know i don't want to get into politics too much but again uh, both both the director and the writer commented that because of what a lot of like pro-life people used the movie for they almost wish they didn't make it oh man yeah i was about to say <laughs> if the if the pro-life people attach themselves too heavily to a piece of media even if i don't know even even if the movie is agreeing with them like <laughs> it's kind of well, and kind of a bad look this ruby it's the writer of jennifer's body evil dead and tally <laughs> so oh man <laughs> yeah but um no it's just it's just an odd movie but it's, i was it's, i was pleasantly surprised i was about to say it's nice it's simple jk simmons is here jk simmons like everybody is just like i don't good. know i don't know what to say i think it, i think it outside of that i think it actually legitimately handles its themes pretty well in yeah. terms of all of its abortion stuff i think is handled pretty low-key and very like just i don't know well-rounded exactly about. <laughs> yeah no it's a very thoughtful movie which i did not expect i expected i don't know i associate this with super bad because it's like 2000s michael Sarah, <laughs> and it is a much more thoughtful movie than i expected it to be back when i watched juno so yeah. I, I was i was pleasantly surprised it's got a really good screenplay yeah i mean again right, and a great it's, ensemble. It's, an, it's an oscar winner good for for screenplay it should have won that's um. what i say <laughs> Uh, I gave it a three and a half out of five. Very nice. Uh, on March 3rd, I watched watched a little film, and it's called Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. And it's it's about Mrs. Harris, and she went to Paris. She shows up to Paris, and they're like, <laughs> wow, hi, Mrs. Harris. Welcome to Paris. And Mrs. Harris is played by uh, Leslie Manville, which she plays uh, Cyril in phantom thread Cyril. Oh, <laughs> so we got we got another we got another uh <laughs> leslie manville film cyril woodcock where she is heavily involved in a fashion business <laughs> it's quite nice is it like a european fashion business? well she goes to she goes to paris and then she like starts helping make dresses at dior uh, because she wants to buy a dress. That's why she goes to Paris. Should have, should have gone to the house of Whitcock. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I like alternate universe. Mrs. Harris goes to the house of Whitcock and can't get a dress to save her life. <laughs> but yeah, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. It was um, fun. It kind of feels almost like Diet Paddington in a way, if that makes sense. It's like Paddington for aging British women, I think. Which I mean, Paddington already is kind of for aging British women, so <laughs> take take Miss Harris as you will. But I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I really liked the costume design in it. I mean, it's kind of what the whole movie is about. It's about Dior, so it makes sense. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Gasp, Dior outfits good. I was about actually. to say Dior looks good. What <laughs> crazy? Um, but yeah, not not too much to say about it. It, it works for you know a. a bit of everything i don't know like the reason it works it, it partially the cast partially the screenplay nothing's really outstanding about it 
but it all comes together in a very it nice... It all comes together. It's a very well-rounded movie. Isn't that so nice? Um, I gave it a four out of five. When things all come together, <laughs> isn't that just so nice? <laughs> so nice. <laughs> next, uh, this is the first one we've actually watched together. Yes. Uh, next, we watched Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. The Last Wish. Um, which I had been very, very, mm, excuse me, very, very excited for. Uh, it looked very good. I heard nothing but good things about it's it. It's about to break into the top 100 on Letterboxd. Which is funny. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think it's a very interesting movie. It is. It's a very, very simple story. <laughs> yeah. Like, like by, by the numbers, kids' movie story. Yes. Um, very much And, you know, so. people... people I think it's really funny um, that people keep getting caught up in being like, "Oh, it's so, it's so quote unquote mature," and I'm like, "No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not guys. just because just because it has a character that personifies death does not mean <laughs> that it's mature. It's cool that it ta- like tackles death in a kids movie, but it still very much deals with it." as a kid's movie it's, it's um, time to watch the seventh seal <laughs> and uh, like it, it it's a very it's a very like here is this section here is this here's now where this will progress here are the villains that will soon learn the error of their ways it's a very it's a very neat screenplay um, um but also a very like yeah you know yeah, very, very paint by the it's numbers it's very paint by the numbers <laughs> screenplay um so I was surprised to see it executed this well you're right. Like to make a screenplay that's this simple, this like it's got done so much before, personality, man. That it becomes like one of the best paced kids movies I've ever seen with really, really Heck fun yeah, characters, man. great comedy, <laughs> outstanding action, and a really fun story. <laughs> How'd they do that? Zips right on by, man. Very well paced. It's so I can't, it's I can't so praise slick. it enough. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> Uh, usually i would not be happy when a movie doesn't give you any breath in between stuff but with just the way this movie is written and the way that it goes about telling its story it works really well actually like because there there really is no like downtime which is interesting especially compared to the first puss in boots because the first puss in boots being an equal like kind of quest kind of movie mm-hmm. has a lot of just like downtime on a lot of their travels yeah puss the the first puss in boots is a very different kind of movie oddly enough i still think it's very good actually <laughs> um, yeah i like the first puss in boots um but it's a very different kind of adventure flick than this one is. This one's a lot more action and a lot more... I, I don't want to say more comedy, but it's a lot more lighthearted than the, the first Puss in Boots, yeah. if that makes sense. No, I mean, it is. Yeah. They're both comedies, but, like, Puss in Boots, the first one, takes itself, I feel, a bit more seriously. Yeah, like, it's still meant to be kind of a spoof on, like, action-adventure movies, but it it does take itself a lot more seriously than this one does. Um, this, again, this movie is kind of bouncing off the walls and yeah. its comedy can be kind of bouncing off the wall which is good <laughs> which again yeah i was about to say it works really well and again the way that they balance that with even characters like death who is like a bit more of a quote-unquote scary villain for kids i think death is um, given just the right amount of dramatic weight yeah this. so i was about to say yeah. he's given a cool amount of dramatic weight he doesn't take up too much of the exactly. story <laughs> he's, um, not, he's not overshadowing the whole like main plot which would have drove me crazy if they, if they had done that i actually i actually feel like my only my only complaint for this movie would be like just like I mean there would probably be others too if they really <laughs> dug deep, but I feel like I don't like the fact that you have Death and Jack Horner. Really? 
Yeah, like I know a lot I, of they people. Do a great I know job a lot of people love them. how they balance all their different villains. Yeah, but they just feel kind of disconnected to me. You know, like I feel yeah, like there's not much other, other than Puss himself. There's not much reason for them to appear in the same movie. I mean, death. Yeah, really, death's only purpose in this is to just motivate uh, <laughs> Puss. Yeah, that's really the only which, role here. I was about to say, which makes it feel a little MacGuffin-y. And although yeah. I liked the face down against death you're yeah. like wow he no it's a fun, you're it's like, a wow. fun catharsis at the end of the movie wow he beat death and then it's like oh now we have return of jack horner <laughs> jack horner 2 electric boogaloo jack horner two now electric ginormous <laughs> and i was just like really? i mean at least it doesn't go on that long no i mean it doesn't go on that long like i said if i was if i was reaching for complaints <laughs> yeah, about it yeah. i think it, i think part of it really does bother me that they don't really connect in any way like story-wise for death that's and jack fair horner to both be <laughs> you want them to be co-conspirators like no it. no i don't want them to be co-conspirators <laughs> Conspirators. I just feel like it's kind of weird that his motivation has nothing to do with the main villain's motivation. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair criticism of it. Um, which, I mean, my my only criticism, I think, that I mentioned in my review is that it just never fully, like, captured me personally. Yeah. Like, I was, like, really impressed. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a fun ride, really well animated, uh, love the vocal cast, good movie, great movie, but it never, like, I was never like, ugh. I'm right there with them, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it, it, was a, it was a really good time, though. But yeah, I gave it a four and a half out of five. I gave it a five out of five, man. It's pretty darn great. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's a great movie. Uh, we Gotta also, uh, don't, for, don't, don't forget a shout out to uh, the <laughs> Jimmy Stewart Jimmy impression Stewart. for the cricket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a fun, that's such a fun bit. That's a great bit, man. It's funny, <laughs> um, all of my, like, you know, 20 to 30 something year old, uh, reviewers on letterbox that i follow um they were all like jimmy stewart cricket jimmy stewart because jimmy stewart cricket is amazing <laughs> they were singing the praises of the jimmy stewart cricket because it's a great bit it is a really funny bit <laughs> uh next up on the fourth on the we fourth. watched triangle of sadness triangle of sadness kind of a there's kind of a, a triangle of sadness there's a triangle of sadness uh, <laughs> look they're making a little triangle on the poster it's true. How did they do that, Micah? That's so crazy. Which, Triangle of Sadness is a very, very odd movie. I was about to say, it's a very divisive movie for a lot of people. Even though it has a, a fairly decent average on Letterboxd, I know I mean, a, I a bunch say of it's people odd who... for the fact that it's divisive. I yeah. just think it's an odd movie. It is an odd movie. It's oddly paced. <laughs> its tone is odd. Yeah. What it's going for is odd. And, like, a lot of it really works, but it's odd. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> Um, but did, did you enjoy Triangle of Sadness? I actually really enjoyed the first half of the movie. Did it make you sad? It didn't make me sad. Um, <laughs> it made me I, I really, sad. I really enjoyed the first half of the movie. I loved a lot of, especially in the opening, a lot of the beats that they were swinging for. Yes. It establishes its really weird, dry realism. Uh, <laughs> I love a very I love early the realism on. in this. Um, it which works is, which really is so well. odd. Like, it's just odd. I'm going to say odd a lot in this. Don't take a drink every time I say odd or you'll be dead by the time I finish talking about <laughs> Triangle of Sadness. Right. Um, but, you know, you have your main characters set up through the lens of, like, the modeling stuff. They're both models. You've got a lot of political commentary going into this movie. Then you get on the ship, and there's like, even more political commentary going on. A lot of social commentary, too. A lot of too, social like... commentary. Um, 
And then you get the whole you get the whole shipwreck thing, which is like you know what everybody what everybody knows. And that's just like like I think that's like an that's a hour into halfway. the movie. It's a little over halfway through the movie. So yeah, it's like it's, an hour twenty. Or I was something. about to say that's a long ways into the movie that you finally get to like the big storm and like the shipwreck <laughs> and like yeah the shipwreck stuff is really fun and gross and cool. <laughs> the shipwreck after watching, is a lot of fun. Yeah. I was about to say after spending time with these awful people on this boat, it's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> then where the movie starts to kind of lose me and it's never fully worked like it never fully worked for me up to this point i don't think all of the comedy works that well and i got a little bored and disconnected from some of the stuff even up to the big storm Ah. um but the characters are fun yeah and then you know you hit the storm and then they go to the island and then i was just bored i was so bored Ah. i felt like it had nothing interesting left to say um, I felt like the conflict was stupid. I felt like there was no normal conflict, like like them trying to actually figure out where to go next or what to do next <laughs> well, or how to get people in contact. It just kind of meandered around for another hour on this island without much to say besides what if woman good at something and then uses her power i was about to say yeah the whole island segment is meant to be like an exploration of power dynamics but it's so boring and it yeah i was about to say it just doesn't have it doesn't have enough variety to be that interesting and and why did we need that because the rest of the movie well yes it has a lot to do with like again yeah the the rest of the movie has a lot to do with power i mean that's what the whole movie why is it why is it exploring it like this you know (laughs) yeah like we have isolation thing doesn't really work that well unfortunately for me i was about to say and there's not much that like feels like you're really like ah power structures she's just being a jerk and an idiot and it feels all stupid and contrived as they're all being like annoying people on this island and i was just like wow this is great they're all being annoying people on this island glad we have that for another hour and yeah i've as as the movie has like got further away i've i've remembered the island segment even less fondly i think which is which is a shame because that's what i thought the movie would be about like that's what i thought it would i thought it would just be from the description i thought it would just be a oh rich people go on the yacht and then it shipwrecks and now they're on an island i honestly but then it's rich people for an hour and a half on a yacht with really funny cool commentary right a big cathartic the most interesting stuff Um, happens in the first half of the movie a big cathartic moment as everybody is like dying (laughs) while weird uh why did I just lose his name? Darn it. Woody Harrelson. Well, weird communist Woody Harrelson <laughs> is arguing with weird capitalist Dimitri. And, and that was really fun. I enjoyed that. And I was like, wow, what a cool little conclusion to the movie. I'm sure nothing else will happen that is boring and not interesting and doesn't have anything to say. And then it did. <laughs> Micah, Micah, would you take a cut of this movie where um, like the ship explodes and it cuts to black? Where it's only like an hour and like ten minutes or I something. Think I would like that more, actually. <laughs> like I just don't I just don't see That's, the point yeah. of anything on the island. I was about to say I really like the island stuff. It's just in all concept. it's all stuff they had already yeah. touched on thematically. But more boring. <laughs> no, that's fair. I don't know. I I still enjoyed the island stuff. Obviously, it's a lot less interesting than the yacht and like modeling segments before it. But I think it still fits the movie pretty well. It's just too long. It's way too long. It needed to be like incredibly too long. Nothing (laughs) happening. 
Yeah. I was about to say, again, the only, like, interesting progression that happens while on the island is that the one guy starts sleeping with her for pretzels. That's yeah, the only yeah. Progress- I mean, that's, like, the main thing. Well, that's the that only happens. progression of the status quo, and yeah. it's just so stupid. I'm like, wow. <laughs> the pretzel lady. <laughs> Good for him, I guess. I don't know. And then they did, like, the weird thing where he was, like, talking to her like they were actually in love or something. And then it ends on, like, the twist. I really liked that. I really liked that. And I'm ending. like, this is so stupid. <laughs> I loved the final scene, Micah. It was so cool. I don't know. I don't know. The performances were pretty good. Um, I was actually, oh yeah, I was actually really, really sad because we watched the Oscars, and this is this this movie was nominated for Best Picture yeah, along with a couple other no- Oscar nominations. Yeah, it got Best Direction as well um, at the very and least. I think original I think screenplay, screenplay. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to say her name. Uh, Charlie Dean. I assume is how yeah, you I say. Yeah, I think it? probably Charlie Charlie Dean. She died like. Very soon months after, after this finishing movie. this movie. Yeah. Uh, very, very young, which is very sad. Yeah, which is a real um, shame. She's like the best, like no, one she's, of the best. She's like the best part of the movie. Probably the best part of the movie, yeah. <laughs> she's really fantastic. And she, you know, died of an unexpected illness. And which is crazy. Then man. the Oscars did not have her in the memoriam. Yeah. I was, I was really kind of upset was, about that. Interesting. I, I was about to say, I, one I, of the lead I could maybe understand it best because picture. she's she's not that well known she as an actress, been, yeah, and it was a very much. very recent death. But she's in one of your best picture nominations. Yeah, I didn't I didn't check the um, Oscars website because they have a more extensive in memoriam list on their website. I have I have to assume she's in there, but I haven't checked yet. Yeah, it just it was just made just me kind of sad. Yeah, uh-huh. when we were watching the Oscars and like. You know, knowing she died so soon after the end of, like, the release of this movie, it's it's sad. Not only that, I feel like there was zero talk about this movie at all at the Oscars. Right. They mentioned it It because because of its nomination. Yeah, it got mentioned by name, like, three times because it got nominated three times. You You got to see the guy who played Dimitri that one time. Yeah, he's a fun actor, man. <laughs> he was he was up there in the balcony. Uh, but anyway, I give it a three out of five. Uh, I ended up giving it a four. Um, I don't know. I really, I, I just, it, it's my kind of movie in like the worst way. Uh, but but I really enjoyed it, so I, I ended up giving it a four. Uh, also so on fun. the also on the fourth, I watched Snake Eyes Ooh, by Brian De Palma. A little, little Brian De Palma uh, action with Nicholas Cage. And <laughs> Brian De Palma and Nicholas Cage is the greatest combination known to man. Greatest combo since Martin Scorsese and Nicholas Cage. <laughs> no, no, oh. this, is, this is better. This is better than Martin Scorsese and Nicolas Cage. If you said, like, Martin Scorsese and, like, De Niro or something, I would agree. But, like, this this is better Nicolas Cage than even Scorsese Ooh. Cage. I was about to say, he's really good in Bringing Out the Dead. Well, I yeah, gotta he's, watch he's Snake He's fantastic at Bringing Out the Dead, but he's so gosh darn fun in this. Yes. Like, literally, it's just Nicolas Cage being able to, like, yuck it up in a movie that fully supports <laughs> his yucking. Good. I was about to say, Brian De Palma is the perfect guy to do that, um, honestly. I was about to say, you've got Brian De Palma's very Brian De Palma-y tastes and yeah. like split screens and goofy cuts and like lots of Dutch angles and yes. close-ups. Good. And very fun like tracking shots and lots of energy that really supports Nicolas Cage just having like a lot of fun as his character. Um, I thought it was a pretty fun movie. I think that's honestly the highlight. I think most <laughs> people would probably agree with that is that, that Nicolas Cage, Cage is, is like, yeah, yeah. that his performance is the highlight. <laughs> Good. Um, because a lot of the other 
like the actual story of the movie is a little contrived and played out, which made me kind of sad. Like the story is good and like it's very like I don't know. I've only other ever seen like Mission Impossible as my other De Palma <laughs> movie, but the story structures and plots share a surprising amount of similarities. Um, That's fun. <laughs> so so it already feels like a little like done before. Um, and then like the whole like forced love interest thing was a little weird. I don't know. There's there's parts of it that I did not like very much, but when it's doing like when it's just being a good fun action thriller like mystery with yeah. Brian De Palma being goofy and Nicolas Cage being goofy, it really is a fantastic movie. Very nice. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, honestly. <laughs> I gave it a four to five. Very nice. Very cool. Um later that day we watched a little film. Uh you might have heard of it. It's called EO. Wow. And it's I about have, a little donkey. I have heard of it. Little donkey who goes on a, a great big adventure, Micah. Oh, good for him. <laughs> I'm sure nothing bad will happen I'm sure to him. Nothing bad will happen to EO on his big adventure. Sure it would be a shame if the entire movie is just unfortunate things happening to EO. <laughs> but yeah, dude, EO, great movie. Love, I started off, you know. Love EO. <laughs> um, very surprising, like, just the way it's shot and the direction it's taken and like a lot of the choices in the production of this are so interesting and unique for like a movie who follows an animal as its main character right (laughs) (laughs) i don't know eo it's a technical marvel to me because it's a movie where like you said the lead is an animal and they had to shoot all of this i was about to say not only that like it's not like it's not even like it's not obviously like like a like a Disney or Homeward Bound. It's not a type talking, uh, not, not, not a talking, not even, animal not even like a talking animal. But it doesn't go about framing its animal like that. No, but it's also not like probably what you'd think of like an animal as a main character. It's not just like a documentary style thing where it's just kind of like here is the animal as he does this, <laughs> right? The animal reacting to the, like it. It the entire film is from his perspective. Like, yeah, it's a very of, subjective in terms movie. Of, like just strange perspective <laughs> emotion yeah like dreams and goals he has like several dreams. he has several dream sequences and like yeah like eo like you really get into the head of eo which is very very goofy <laughs> i was about to say talking about eo sounds ridiculous but like he's a it's a really good like framing and like it's it, it, again. It blows me away from a technical perspective that they were able to make it so subjective and make it so empathetic, like for you know a donkey being the lead. And you know, outside of that, it's still just a very like impressive movie, right? There's a lot of like weird <laughs> surrealist stuff in yeah. this from Eo's like visions and dreams, which is funny. It works. And, I'm like, surprised works, at how well it works. I was about to say it works really, really well. Yeah. Again, he has like this dream sequence where he's one of those little robot dog thingies <laughs> and like keeps stumbling around maybe. It's so it's so interesting. It's, it's such, such a an, cool it's movie. Such an interesting movie. And it being so short allows it to be like very slickly paced. You don't mm-hmm. feel like you're there for too long. Um, the editing's really fantastic. The cinematography is really fantastic. The performances are fun. Even the performance of EO himself. Yeah. 
Um, like the I was reading the description of this movie. It says EO, a gray donkey with melancholic eyes. <laughs> dude, he's so sad for most right. of this movie. Dude, they they got the donkey shedding a tear like three separate times. I was about to say he's like stripped from his owner in like the first five minutes, and it never really gets better for poor EO. Poor EO, my boy. <laughs> but yeah, fantastic movie. Very, very cool. I give it a four and a half out of I five. I really wanted this to win Best International Feature of the nominees of the Oscars. Robbie, all Quiet on the Western this is, Front. This blows All Quiet on the Western Front out of the water, baby. Uh, I give it a five out of five. <laughs> Up next, we watched All Quiet uh, on it. the Western Front. What, what, what happened? What happened to International Features? <laughs> I'm glad that some people enjoy this movie. I know a big listener of the podcast really, really loves this movie, and he liked the original, and he liked the story that it ba- that it's based off of. I mean, I really so want to see the. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I mean, I, I can see liking I it. I thought this was boring, done before, rehashy nothingness. With cinematography pulled straight from 1917, a score that is stupidly minimal and doesn't work with its thing. Yeah, I didn't like the score. Sometimes actively bad editing. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I think the editing is the biggest, like, offense here. And everything else from it is just a played-out war movie. We've seen this before, and I haven't even seen the original All Quiet on the Western Front. (laughs) That's not even what I mean when I say we've seen this before. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's i don't know it just kind of failed to capture me in any substantial way like it's not a bad movie by any stretch um it just didn't really work for me on an emotional level or even as an anti-war film it just doesn't hit the way i want it to i was about to say actually thinking about it in hindsight a lot and the way that it's shot and the way that it's presented for a lot of the middle of the movie it actually really reminded me of something like dunkirk but yeah. Dunkirk is so interesting. I was about to say, Dunkirk <laughs> manages to be a lot more interesting in its character dynamics and so, just general yeah, like, think, geography okay, and I think everything. That's, I think that's the thing. I think for a war movie like this specifically, because I think the closest things to this movie on a direct level are Dunkirk and 1917. And I think for movies like that to work, they have to have some little gimmick to tie them together. <laughs> because with Dunkirk, you have the little time gimmick. Yeah, you got gimmick. all about time, yeah. And then with, uh, with 1917, you have the whole it's all one, it's all like, one shot. They got gimmick. the Birdman gimmick going um, on. <laughs> and both of those elevate those movies to be something unique and memorable and cool. I mean, they work for um, a lot of other reasons. And they work too. for a lot of other reasons too, but yeah. I'm saying like something this movie, to tie it. This movie is doing the bare minimum to do all of the thematic things that those movies are doing. And then it also isn't doing anything interesting on a filmmaking level. Yeah, it didn't really have enough personality to really just like connect with me at all which which is a real shame because like i wanted to i wanted to watch this movie i was excited for it i'd heard good things and then it just i was watching it and like you're like wow war sure is yeah (laughs) yeah like i i didn't really get too much out of it which i don't know it it made me kind of (laughs) sad yeah i was about to say the most interesting thing going on here would be the fact i i think the most interesting thing thematically going on here is that you had a bunch of young kids who are willing to lie about their age to go to war and, go then, watch war the is, and then war is go awful the but they get for, they get through that <laughs> they get through that yeah. idea in the first 
20 minutes because instantly you they go to the horrors of war one of their friends dies and they're like oh my gosh this is terrible this isn't at all what we thought and like that's within like the first 10 minutes almost of the movie and i'm like well I guess we've lost that plot thread. So then Paul and his friends become just dry nothingness because we've already moved past their only establishing like an interesting character motivation. They're now all there for no reason and they're Which is it. kind of the point, but like I don't know, it doesn't yeah, it but doesn't it just really doesn't work. it doesn't work for yeah. you to sit with for like two and a half hours with these characters who have nothing interesting about them if you want to uh, actually if you want a better like war is bad and pointless movie from last year go watch pinocchio <laughs> i think that's a better a better movie i don't know go watch like paths of glory in 1917 go watch the bridge like i said the bridge i think actually does a great job at what this is trying to do uh, to a degree um it's not a world war one movie but i Come think it's and quite see in the thin red line and like this movie has just been done in a lot of way more interesting ways a million times Times. Yeah, it's a shame. I don't know. I really wanted to like it. And then this and then like there were the actual embarrassing elements. Again, the editing is actively oh, bad sometimes. The editing, yeah. And then is you've bad. got the score being like boom 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 and that's it. Well, the, and, and, and that freaking I score. I really liked the um like snare hits sometimes. That, Those were fun. That freaking score <laughs> won best original score at the Oscars. Over Babylon. Over Babylon. <sighs> over over a John Williams score. It should over not the be. really beautiful score of the Banshees of Inanshira. Right. This thing that's and literally every time they mentioned this movie at the Oscars, they would play that little boar boar boar. Which is like half of the score. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this sucks. Uh, I give it a three out of five. Yeah, I gave it a three out of five too. It's like I said, not a bad movie, but it's just not something that I would ever want to revisit, you know? Yeah. Uh, I want to shout out The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, which I watched. And I actually gave a review because I had something to say about it. And I still have something to say about it. (laughs) You you ranted about this for like five minutes on our last episode. (laughs) after it won, it won Best Animated Short Film over freaking Ice Merchants. One of the greatest greatest short films I've ever seen. I like like Uh, Boy and the Mole, but Ice Merchants I just want to reiterate that it's beautiful animation, but the dialogue is absolute trash i would not suggest watching it that's all i want to say the dialogue (laughs) is awful i hate it and i found out that they hadn't worked on anything else like they had never written a single other thing before this and it shows maybe get your writing inspiration from somewhere other than greeting cards (laughs) (laughs) while you were watching that i went out to (laughs) the plaza theater um, for the very first time, which for those who are the unaware, plaza. there's a lot of plaza I know, theaters. I know. That's why I was going to elaborate. There's a, a theater in Atlanta called the Plaza Theater, which it kind of serves as the like headquarters, the hub, the hub if you will, for uh, the Atlanta Film Society, which if you listened to the beginning of this season, you'll know that I am now a member of the Atlanta Film Society. And this is the first society event that I attended, and it was very cool. I watched a screening, early access screening of Inside, but not the Bo Burnham, not the Bo Burnham special. (laughs) A different movie that's also kind of about isolation and the pandemic, whoops. Um, Who's inside again? (laughs) It's it's the new Willem Dafoe movie. Well, I mean, he didn't direct it, but he is the star of it, and he's like the main 
you know, he's the main guy. Wow, that's so cool, Rappy. You're really doing a great job describing this. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's called Inside. Uh, I got to go to an early premiere of it, um, and it was really cool. Uh, it is a very minimal kind of movie, which is to be expected, I guess, if you know the premise of it. It's about a guy who gets trapped in inside a, <laughs> he gets trapped in a penthouse uh while he's he's an art thief he's trying to steal art and then he gets locked inside the penthouse for like i, I guess like a year i don't remember how, how long this movie takes place over but he like it, i don't know it's like kind of a survival movie for it's because he runs out of resources inside the apartment it's it's a really fun time uh willem dafoe is really good in it um it, it does a lot of really fun stuff with, like, isolation. I don't think a lot of its artist-like stuff really works, like the thematic stuff, like art's influence on the psyche, like, everything like that. It didn't fully come together for me, but everything else was pretty phenomenal. Um, I really enjoyed the cinematography and the uh, production design and, like, all of the environmental stuff is very cool. It's a very spatially aware film, and I think it's a very cool film. And I would definitely recommend hey, watching it if you, you if you want to catch it when, when it actually yeah, when comes it comes out. As I was about to say, I definitely recommend watching it, <laughs> even though you can't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I gave it a four out of five. It was a good time. Uh, afterwards, we watch After Sun. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't believe it. This is, dude. After Sun. After man. Sun. This is like probably probably my favorite movie of of <laughs> the if the year. I would say probably. Uh, I don't know. Just yeah. this, this or decision to leave. It's so up in the air. Yeah, I would, I would hold them about on equal level. Yeah, it'd be a toss up I need, between those. I need to buy a copy of this so bad. I Micah, really want to rewatch it. The the A two four Blu ray just came out and uh, it looks amazing. Uh, I really I really <laughs> need to own a copy of this. Um, it's a very simple, sweet, and really surprisingly effective movie at what it's trying to go about doing. Yeah. Um, I love its use of uh like the little daughter filmed footage yeah it's um, framing device so it works framing really device well. is really really cool yeah um and it's actually really i had just uh i had just at over at my girlfriend's house she had showed me she had this little handheld camera <laughs> um that she filmed a bunch when she was a kid and she still had that footage and it was so similarly and accurately done to this movie well yeah like just yeah well yeah like you could say like oh yeah it's filmed the same but i mean like the dialogue the way people like just the yeah. way the 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 vibe of it i was like this could be real footage for all i know like that's how after sun yeah that's how like good they got like a lot of the real feeling elements of this movie and that as your framing device leads you into this like really unique really sweet but sad look at parenthood and a father-daughter relationship yeah. with like a very young father um it's great man my goodness and it's just so cool <laughs> the leads the two lead performances um the like cinematography like the way it's so subjectively shot and the framing and everything it's it's such a cool movie man you gotta go yeah watch i it. love what it's going about thematically <laughs> the the little like it's not it's not really a twist but the little like reveal kind of thing at the end yeah. was so like heartbreaking it's, it's so, such a sad movie it's man. such a sad like note to end on but yeah. it's so sweet at the same time um it, it's doing a lot of the same things. It, it's like if In the Mood for Love and Wildlife were like about, about combined. 
<laughs> I was about to say, yeah, that's actually, I was about to say, it's like if In the Mood for Love was like about, uh, about parenthood, about parenthood yeah. instead of about like a romantic. Cause the way, it, the way it frames all of its scenes and the way it's very subjective and like it, the way it emulates memory is very similar, I think, to yeah. In the Mood for Love. So, uh, I was about to say, and Barry Jenkins was one of the, Barry uh, Jenkins. I think he was an executive producer yeah, he was on executive this. Yeah, producer. Um, which very much shows this actually reminded me a lot of Moonlight. Um, and the way it kind of goes about a lot of its filmmaking itself and just a lot of its writing. Very cool. Which is high praise because I loved Moonlight. <laughs> I was about to say, I haven't seen Moonlight, so I, I couldn't possibly comment, but I, uh, I am looking forward to it. <laughs> but I gave it a five out of five. It's genuinely, I, I can't think of a single thing wrong with, with After Sun. Right. Like, I can't think of a thing I would change, a thing I would add, a thing I would cut. It's just a beautiful, very well crafted, very sweet, very well acted movie. Yeah, one of the best movies I've seen in a while. Um, I gave it a 5 out of 5 also. Uh, then also on the 7th, I watched When a Stranger Calls, the original <laughs> 1979 one. Heck yeah, baby. Of which Robbie has also given a 5 out Is, Wait, what did you give this? 5. Uh, I was about to say, it's going to be another Babylon. It's got a 3.1 it's it's it a... <laughs> average, Robbie, because most people actually know what they're talking about. Wow. That it's a 3-star movie. The thing about this movie is it opens up with one of the greatest horror sequences in the 70s. Right. Very cool. Oh my goodness. On a, what great, a great start. Opening, man. And then the entire middle is boring <laughs> schlock that actually tries to defeat the tension of a horror movie. You think they just made the opening sequence and then they were like, crap, we gotta make another, we gotta make like the rest of the movie. I don't know, man, <laughs> but it sucks. It literally serves zero purpose other than to make the horror villain less scary. Like, he's now just this weird little guy. And I'm like, wow, that's great. I'm really know. scared of this British fellow. I really liked, um, I really liked that movie. It, I don't know. And, like, all of the investigation stuff is annoying and boring. I and it takes the investigation And it takes stuff. place over, like, three blocks. The guy never leaves, like, three blocks away. And they're like... I wonder if we can find them. And everyone's like, yeah, I've seen the guy. Yeah, I've seen the guy. Yeah, I've seen the guy. And he's like, I still can't find him. How crazy. I don't know. I like the detective. <laughs> and then, like, he's right there and he's like, oh, I lost him. It's so nothing. And then the only interesting thing that happens again for the rest of the movie is when he goes back to the babysitter and yet again they have a cool horror sequence. Yeah. And then it ends. Cool movie. So, cool that it was influential to horror. <laughs> Go watch Black Christmas instead. It's so much better. I mean, I would really like to watch Black Christmas. It's like this, but actually scary for the entire runtime. Wow. It's like this if I don't used, know. I thought it's like this if it uses its premise properly. I thought the middle of this movie was really menacing and like scary. How is it menacing, dude? He walks around and he's like, Hello, I'm a British man. Can I have a drink, please? Hoidy hoidy hoi. Is that what British people do? Like <laughs> He's so stupid. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's nothing scary and he's 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 a very so so you open this movie with he brutally mutilated kids with his bare hands. Yes. Yeah. That's how you open the movie. That he is this, Can't go too he is this unstoppable that. force of like absolute violence. Yeah. And then he's a very unsuccessful killer for the rest of the movie. He does nothing good when he tries to like like he nothing successfully. He goes to the bar and is a little scary and then gets beaten to a pulp. <laughs> and then he doesn't really have any uh, 
recourse for that. He's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listen, man, it's been a while. I watched it alone at night with headphones, and it spooked me. So I really enjoyed it. Anyway, I gave it a three out of five. (laughs) Go watch Black Christmas instead. Do yourself a favor. All right. Well, on the ninth, I sat down and I watched a little film called Women Talking. I I shouldn't have said a little. It made me think of little women. (laughs) Why why are you downplaying women talking, Rebby? Why are you calling that little? Because it's a, I don't know, it's a very small scale movie. I feel like that's oh, a so justified use. So it's of small scale oh when my women gosh. are talking, Robbie. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it takes place in one town. <laughs> it's a very isolated movie. Um, but it's women talking. You might have heard of it. It got nominated for best picture at the Oscars this past year. So, um, <laughs> it was really funny when when it when it won uh, adapted screenplay. adapted screenplay, and the lady who wrote it came up and she was like, "I am so surprised the Oscars uh, let a movie with the words women and talking, talking so close to together win." <laughs> That was a good joke. I was about to say, shout out to Sarah Polly. She's a cool person, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, Women Talking, it's a good drama. Hard to come by these days, honestly. Um, it's got a great ensemble. It's got a fun fun direction. Uh, I really, really enjoyed, uh, what's his name? Ben Wishaw. I, I always forget how to pronounce his name. Very British man who plays Paddington most of the time. <laughs> um, but Paddington. he's, he's very good in this movie. And I, he plays Paddington most of the time. <laughs> That's it, your description of his career. It, it feels silly. I, like when I was writing my review, it feels really silly to praise like the one male performance in this He's movie. Like I really love the one guy in this movie. <laughs> Don't know what those women were on about. I didn't really pay attention. <laughs> um, I mean, Jesse Buckley's really good in this too. Um, this is like the second or third thing I've ever seen her in, but she's really good. Um, but, like, I don't know, that's the character I connected with the most, <laughs> because, of course. Uh, oh. But, yeah, Women Talking is is really good. I, I was about to say, I, I, I haven't seen it. You. I haven't seen it. It's really well like, directed. I want to really watch well it, written. but the only thing that really, like, turns me off is the visuals look so bland. <laughs> it really makes me not want to watch it, and that's really sad to me, because I do want to watch it. The composition isn't bland, but the way they grade it it's and so, light everything... I was going to say, it's so lowly lit with practically monotone colors. Yeah, it's it's meant to be a very bleak movie, but I, I wish they didn't go about it like that. <laughs> I was to say, there are other ways you can make your movie look bleak. <laughs> um, but it's got, it's got a lot of like fun character touches throughout its screenplay. Like All of the characters feel incredibly well-defined. Um, throughout the whole thing, which is very impressive and very hard to do. Um, but yeah, very solid drama. Glad I watched it. Uh, glad I watched it. Sorry. had like a hiccup or something. I don't know what that was. Then on the 10th, <laughs> we sat down and watched Scream 5. Scream 5. Um, in preparation to hopefully sometime go watch Scream 6. By the way, I rated uh, Women Talking at 4 out of 5. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Before uh, I was so rudely interrupted. <laughs> Well, you, you, you paused. <laughs> you paused. I was like, oh, he's done. He's done. It's uh, finished. <laughs> but uh, Scream 5, yeah. Scream um, 5. 
you know, it's not it's not my favorite. It's probably actually my least favorite of the sequels, but that doesn't mean it's bad by any means. I, I don't know if I'd call it my least favorite. I'd definitely call it the worst. Um, yeah. But I don't know if I'd call it my least favorite. It's, it's I mean, a toss-up. You, you put it at the two. bottom. Listen, too, Ravi, everybody <laughs> agrees it's a toss-up between this and three. Three being the second worst sequel. Evidently, I disagree, Micah, because I really enjoy three. I get a lot of personal enjoyment out of three. I get a lot of personal enjoyment out of Outside of three. two, you know? Two is much better than Two is three. A, probably a better movie, but I get more enjoyment out of three is what I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> Scream 5 is Scream actually five. really fun. I like what it's I like what it's trying to do for a lot of the movies movie it just doesn't really commit to it as much as it should um, it's a very strange movie i think really it gets it quite frankly it gets caught up on legacy characters because it could have committed to its new cast a lot more and a lot of its new like quote-unquote rules mm-hmm. and like feeling and you know like this is a new generation a new thing it um, definitely feels very modern <laughs> it feels very modern in the way so you'd think it would kind of double down on that but then it kind of gets caught up in the fact that like sydney and gail are here and they they take a lot of the framing they of the story in a way out of this movie man. for some reason we have like scenes of dialogue with them during like the big climactic uh house scene instead of like the actual main <laughs> characters and, and i love the ensemble in this movie man it's and i so cool i was gonna say i love i love the use of dewey in this i think he's a good use um but yeah. literally just sydney and gail have no reason to be here they really annoyed no. me yeah and i feel like people were so like happy that they were here and i'm like why they have nothing to do here dewey dewey could be here and it's fun and it's cool and he's like you know, he was he was always the best character. Um, so it's cool to have like, oh, it's a Dewey cameo. Nice. Now let's look at the other cast. Yeah. But instead, the other cast literally gets overshadowed in the third act by Sydney and Gale. Which is a real shame, man. Because I, I actually, I was surprised at how much I loved the ensemble. Yeah, the ensemble's one. fun. Like got, Mikey like, Madison. Let's say you got Jack Quaid, Jack Quaid. Jenna Ortega, yeah. Melissa uh, Barrera, Barrera, yeah, they're all so good, man. It's, like, yeah, it's a really fun main <laughs> cast, but that you feel like they don't get focused on enough because you're constantly focusing on like what Gale and Sydney are up yeah. to. It's a shame because it's a it's a blast whenever it just lets them like let loose and just do like a scream movie with them because it's it's so much fun. I don't know. I I love Scream. It's I think now like seeing five. I think it's kind of cemented as my favorite film franchise. At the very least, my favorite horror franchise. Yeah, it's very very cool. <laughs> I still liked the movie. It's just kind of sad to me that it could have been like actually genuinely a really great movie, but yeah, instead it, it been, got overshadowed it by a lot better. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but hey, I've heard six is even better. I've heard it doesn't fall into it. Like yeah. it's it's. I've heard it's doing a lot of the things that five are doing, but like fully committing. to I them. am so pumped for Scream Six. Dude. Hopefully, I'm so hopefully, excited. Hopefully, not much Gale in Scream Six. Right, is what I'm crossing my fingers for. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see, Micah. I gave I gave Scream Five a uh, four. I gave it a three and a half out of five. Very nice. <laughs> uh, then on the eleventh, I watched The Northman. I rewatched The, the Northman. Northman. I should say it's like it was like my third or fourth time watching you it. You rewitnessed uh, the rise I of the witnessed the rise of the Northman, and I watched it with my mom this time, <laughs> which is always an interesting experience because I forgot I forgot how much stuff was in this. Like when you were like, "Oh yeah, you should watch The Northman, Mom. You well, should watch." Hey, it. Marianne also suggested The Northman to her. A lot. It's a it's a rather. Uh, explicit like fairly explicit movie i would i would not recommend it to most people <laughs> well you know 
<laughs> whatever she she still thought it was a good movie i, mean, I think a it's a movie. fantastic movie i love it so much um i've talked about it before several times i love the production design i love the actors i love the performances that they give i love the like i, I don't know i just love the editing the cinematography is outstanding it is really well um, shot the way it uses space and everything like I love the, people yeah. walking around i love the characters and right. stories i know everybody always pointed it out but i was i was talking i pointed that out to to mom when we were watching it where they have that one shot that's like a static track like shot on somebody and then it like breaks off and like goes forward and tracks down the <laughs> boat while the boat is moving yeah and that's such a cool that was crazy how did they do that one man <laughs> anyway i've talked about it before i love it yeah. i give it a five out of five northman's a great movie uh then on the blind. yeah then on the 12th uh i watched the little mermaid the little mermaid which is the first time i had seen this movie in like 10 years probably um which i this used to be like my favorite disney princess mustard movie and clements, growing up. baby muster muster and clements muster muster musker and musker and clements mustard and clements that, that's pretty fun um but yeah it's it's a fun movie it very much feels like you know this was their first like broadway style musical and it very much feels like a proto of that like because yeah. you know before all of the all of their disney movies before this had like musical numbers of course but this is like the first one that's like actually it's done in a broadway like a style yeah and like the songs progress the story and are important for the characters yeah. and it's not just like oh here's a pleasant little here's a song fun little song for the you characters know like if, to you, sing. if you cut out the song the movie wouldn't happen exactly um, plot plot crucial <laughs> songs in this one so you know and it feels like if i don't know i like the animation the songs are really good if you can imagine uh, alan, alan minkin on the on the lyrics <laughs> um it's just you know it's a little sloppy here and there it doesn't nah. feel fully realized nah. as, as much as it could be but yeah. you know who cares it's the little mermaid <laughs> it's a little mermaid whatever <laughs> nobody needs to hear my hot takes on the little mermaid like it's like actually little mermaid bad <laughs> uh i gave it a three and a half out of five it's a it's a darn fun movie darn fun movie so i hear uh then on the 13th uh i watched the killing of a chinese bookie what uh my second That's john crazy. cassavetti's movie gotta love john uh, cassavetti's very very interesting movie uh, I did not like it as much as uh, A Woman Under the Influence, but who does? <laughs> a Woman Under the Influence is like one of the most acclaimed movies out right. there. Right, I was about to say, only one of like the best movies ever made, maybe. Uh. Uh, but I really like the idea of what it's going for. Like, it's got a really a lot of really interesting thematic things that it's going for. It's shot in a really unique way. Uh, I love the performances. I love the atmosphere that the movie has. But I don't know, the story progression and structure and character beats itself weren't really my favorite. Um, it might have just been the cut I watched. I, I did not realize this before I went in, but there are two cuts of the movie. And I watched what's usually considered to be the worst cut. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's like the original theatrical, the theatrical cut. Yeah. It's shorter. Um, mm. And supposedly it, it's not as good. Um, so maybe, who knows, maybe the longer cut's better. Um because yeah even which interesting though is it's not like it's not like a director's cut either because it's just like another cut of the movie just if you go if you go cut. to imdb that's the cut that <laughs> pops up first not this one I interesting think, um if i remember correctly because uh, the one i watched was like an hour and 45 minutes yeah and even the one listed here is over two hours interesting um that is weird <laughs> so I, don't, I have no idea that was the only one on hbo and i didn't have my criterion with me mm. so <laughs> yeah 
Uh, but yeah, interesting movie. Uh, a lot to think about. <laughs> much to think about. Michael uh, watches Killing of a Chinese Bookie. He's like, much to think about. I, I, I really love, I really, lo- I put it in my review. I said, I really like uh, Cassavetti's direction for like the human spirit, the way he captures being human in his writing and direction is very very unique and interesting very cool i I really want to see one of his movies i haven't watched any of them yet (laughs) i give it a four out of five very nice very nice then robbie what did we watch we watched uh, a film known to everyone as (laughs) the lion king (laughs) one and a half yo (laughs) lion king one and a half uh certified home video classic best best (laughs) rosencrantz and guildenstern adaptation I can't imagine there are that many adaptations. I don't think there are any other. You got the stage, the movie, the stage, and the... movie, and then the Disney adaptation. Which I think it's really goofy that this was actually created with that in mind. I mean, you can definitely you feel can that it is, but that's so goofy to me. Lacking uh, one and a half, man. I said, I said in my review for this movie that it's one of the very few Disney animation sequels that has the juice. It actually works <laughs> because there were so many smart decisions made. In right. fact, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is such a genius movie to base a Disney <laughs> sequel off of. Again, um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, very low budget movie. Very low budget movie. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a stage production originally, yeah. and like the movie version of it, which is directed by the same person who directed and wrote the stage version. Mm-hmm. Is very much like very smart, very low key, very smartly used its sets, very (laughs) simple. Um, So it allows you (laughs) to take the Lion King, which gasp is Hamlet, Hamlet, and do Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead with Timon and Puma, and it's so (laughs) cool. I honestly, I honestly <laughs> might say that I enjoy this a little more than Rosencrantz and no, Guildenstern are dead, no. but that's just because I'm, I have bad taste. <laughs> you do have bad taste. I love Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. No, that's a really cool movie. Um, it's just like it's such an intellectual exercise to kind of keep up with it. Um, mostly, <laughs> partially because like I'm not overly familiar with the plot of Hamlet. I was about to say you gotta really kind of yeah, Hamlet exactly. to watch the movie. <laughs> and like Lion King one and a half is the same way. Like I'm very familiar with the Lion king's plotting and like how it's laid out and everything so i'm like oh yeah look at that fun beat is coming up next and then like for rosencrantz and guildenstern i'm like oh no what's gonna happen next <laughs> when yeah. i sh- when i should already know but yeah it's got such it's such a smart and fun use of its budget because it mostly <laughs> reuses it reuses so much in such a unique way that it never feels like it's just a rehash of the uh, the first movie yeah but it uses but it allows it to have a great use of its budget to reuse a bunch of good songs um get back almost all of its original voice cast, which is which crazy. is a big feat for yeah. a Disney movie for, for a direct to home video sequel like this. That's crazy. I was say, you got like, you, you got everybody. You got like, uh, Nathan yeah, Lane, you still got Matthew Nathan Broderick, Lane. Um, yeah. like you even had Whoopi Goldberg come back. Like, <laughs> like you've got most of your voices back for this. Got Marge Simpson. Uh, you got Marge Simpson <laughs> <laughs> as his mom. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's very, very neat. I think it's, I think it's well paced. Its seventy-seven minute runtime really helps it out. There's I don't a think, lot of great visual gags. Yeah, I don't think all of the jokes work. I think some of them are like, as you always get with Timon and Puma, a little like, you know, a little dumb. Whatever. Yeah, a little stupid, a little childish, but whatever. A lot of them work though. Yeah. You and, get credit where credits due. And like the couple original songs that are actually in this are really fun. Right. 
the the digitano dig digitano. <laughs> oh my god, all the best songs are just chants with music underneath. <laughs> and that's great songwriting. What can I say? Exactly. <laughs> Quick uh, before the hyena come. <laughs> yeah, great song, great movie. Yeah, fun stuff. That was like my third time watching it. Surprisingly <laughs> enough, honestly, uh, very good. I, I give it. I give it can't a three and a half. Enough. Yeah, I was about to say if you enjoy The Lion King even a little bit, or even if you don't, <laughs> I would recommend go watch go watch the Brentsword video about it yeah, too. Yeah, go. That's watch such the a neat video. video. Um, but yeah, that's what we watched. That's what we watched. We so, watched that last night. It's like our longest what we watched. <laughs> that is incorrect, dude. This is like a short what Modern, we watched episode. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Um, I hope you. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed <laughs> what, uh, listening to that. Yeah, go check out. Go check out some good movies. Go check uh, out After Sun and EO. Oh yes, please go watch After Sun and put some movies. Um, those yeah. those would be my suggestions: After Sun, EO, and put some boots. If you're a Frank Ocean guy, go watch Endless. That if you're a Frank good. Ocean guy, also go watch After Sun. <laughs> right. Seems like something he'd like. I don't know. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, also, go check out Inside when it comes out in theaters. Very cool movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for watch, listening. Watch some, watch some good movies. Some movies. Hopefully, we'll have some time to watch some more movies this week. Um, maybe uh, I, I haven't run this by Micah yet, but maybe we'll cover the next like three or four screen movies since we've already done the trilogy and do four, five, six. Yeah, maybe now this upcoming like Halloween season, maybe sooner. I don't know. We'll I was about to say, I figured we'd save that for like Halloween yeah. or something. Doing four, five, and six. Yeah, be a lot of fun. Because I was going to say we did the first trilogy. <laughs> we did the trilogy. Yeah, no, no, it's not a bad idea. Of course, it's, it kind of makes me sad that lock. you have like one, two, three, and then four, five, six, but four really is not like like five and six are part of like the soft reboot series. Yeah. Four isn't. So you four, can't do like yeah. one, two, three, and then four, five, six, because four is four way, is part way of the, more ones part of the one trilogy. Through three also, yeah. than it is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because like. Yeah. You have a big time jump too, because I was about to say Sydney's still technically like the main character yeah. almost in four. I was about to say four is a four is a very interesting. It's a good midpoint between the like between three and five, oddly yeah. enough. Like where stylistically, I was about to say where the characters everything. aren't quite. They're not like, quite like modern enough and to feel you know like modern day. And I was about to say and like you know Sydney and stuff. They're not quite like the main main focus. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting. I don't know. Four is a very fantastic. Movie. <laughs> four is great. I honestly, I'm probably gonna bump into a five the next time I see. It. But yeah, I really want to go watch Scream Six. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be fun. I know it. <laughs> we made we made some memories. We we had we talked about some movies, and now it's time to go home, Micah. <laughs> I guess we gotta go home. Bye, <laughs> bye, guys. <laughs>